Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, 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 and welcome to the TFA Dino Show, episode 49. I'm Robbie Jeffries back again with my absolute bestest buddy, Thomas. Ricardo Carson, Ricardo. middle name, Ricardo. No, it's not correct. Well, I, I missed it with two weeks ago when I tried Alexander. It, it's not Ricardo. Yeah, I'm keep still, on out until I get it. All right. You, you could try. I don't know where you got Ricardo from though. Well, just, it, it, it kind of flowed. TRC. Like I'm, I'm a freaking Viking and you come up with <laughs> Ricardo. <laughs> I, I, it felt like it fit. I don't know. In any case, we, we are continuing on with our, rookie prospect uh, overview of each position, right? We've done running backs with Brandon Lejeune. We've done wide receivers with Brandon Angelo. And now for the quarterbacks and tight ends, we brought in another professional, another person who's much, much smarter than us to tell us all the things for you guys to also hear and learn. Uh, and that is Matt Hicks today. He's joined us here on the TFA Donner Show. That's the draft guru that basically gives grades on, I don't know, Matt, you have like what? 85 some players is that right yeah we're up to 90 90 player 90. profiles yeah 90 yeah so so he's just rocking he knows uh probably more names than you even know are coming into this class he's he's giving them a grade he's scouting them out you guys can find him on twitter at the ff underscore educator you can find a lot of his work on his patreon uh the same name the ff educator no underscore there um, but he also does the Rookie Big Board podcast. He does the Draft Seminar podcast on the NFL Draft Bible Podcast Network. And he's on YouTube. He's, he's doing the Rookie Big Board uh, YouTube if you prefer the video side of things. He's kind of all over the place, and we're pumped. Matt, welcome, welcome. How are you? I'm glad to be here. Best time of the year talking rookie content. And my goodness, what good company coming off of uh, working with Lejeune and Angelo. Man, those are two of my guys, so... I'm happy to be in the lineup with them as well. Dude, absolutely. I, I feel like we're getting to that point. I like how you said we're in the, the prime season to talk rookies. Normally, the, the Debbie guys and the guys who've been watching these players for so long, they're, they're sick of it by now. I'm, I like your positive, upbeat attitude. You're still ready to dive into the, the quarterbacks and the tight ends. Well, you know, I, I – I really tried over the over the last few years to hone in on the rookies. I play Debbie. I like Debbie. I play Dynasty. I love Dynasty, but I try to hone in 
kind of in a unique area of really focusing on rookies. So the NFL draft is like my time of the year. I can't wait to learn these landing spots. And then we're going to really kind of just totally throw value all around. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking a little bit before we hit record last year, you were on about, uh, you know, you know, six, 10 plus uh, draft shows. Sounds like you're, you're taking a little bit step back. You're going to be able to just plug in all of your grades and change those projections uh, based on where they go for, for their landing spots. Yeah, you know, this year I'm really excited. I'm doing one guest spot. Um, I'm going to be over on the Fantasy Playbook live stream with Yates and uh, Garrett Price. I couldn't Very say good. no. Those are two of my guys. But, you know, I'm excited this year to really focus on um, – I dropped the rookie guide uh, pre-draft, and I promised that there would be updates uh, in 2022 projections for all the rookies the Sunday after the NFL draft. So I'm going to be plugging mm. in projections as we go throughout the weekend so that I can have uh, – 90 full projections there the day after the NFL draft. So I'm excited about it because sickos like me will be doing their rookie drafts on the Monday after the NFL draft, right? Oh, oh my gosh. They, they never wait, do they? They never wait. It's like we have all, all of this time and, and nope, we need to do it the Monday after. You can't wait to, to process. Just, just go. It's, it's uh, honestly, it's better than doing it before the draft. Oh, true. True. I'm not in any Rid- leagues that do it before. Yeah. I feel like that's ridiculous. And you no, see some people that swear by it, and you're like, I don't understand how you can swear by it because you're just like, well, I'm just going to throw this here dart and hope hope they land in a good spot. Yeah, if you want to take your rookies before the NFL draft, I got a fun concept. It's called Devi. You yeah, can do it multiple Devi. years out, right? Yeah, it's called Devi. Eye opening. We're actually in a Devi league together. What league? You know what league are you guys in? Uh, Canes. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll do a, you know, just because we're here and we're talking Debbie, I'll do it just a quick, if you don't mind, a quick pitch for the Debbie Summit for folks who are like, what are they even talking about? I'm working with Brandon Lejeune, who I'm sure talked about this last week, but, yeah. you know, the Rookie Big Board is one of the co-hosts along with Campus to Canton. And so if you're new to Debbie, we have an event coming up in May for you specifically. So you're definitely going to want to check that out. Yeah. Absolutely. Brandon did a really good pitch on that. Uh, I'm probably going to be tuning in as a guy that like tries to stiff arm Debbie as much as I can. I feel like I, I spend enough time trying to keep up with just 32 NFL teams and then you throw in all these college teams and uh, my mind just gets boggled a little bit. But Matt, the way we like to start off the show is by asking a question of the week. Sometimes it's related to football. Sometimes it's not. This time it is. Uh, and Tom, I'm actually going to go to you first because you're the one that is always complaining about your Eagles and your, the owner, general managers, everybody messing up picks left and right. Yeah. If you had a first round pick, you can go back in time and redo that pick for your NFL team. What would that pick be? Well, on on the on the sheet, somebody wrote all of them. I don't know if that was you or or Cody, but it's it's not all <laughs> of them, not quite. I was happy with the Devonta pick and Landon Dickerson last year. So, I mean, year before, obviously, Justin Jefferson. I, I mean, you take Jalen Rager. It doesn't – it still doesn't make any sense. Um, going back a little bit further, Derek Barnett, um, you took him over T.J. Watt. That's who I wanted. Uh, Sidney Jones, you took Sidney Jones over Joe Mixon. And you didn't trade up for Dalvin Cook, which he went two spots earlier. Andre Dillard is another one in the first. I said round. one. You can't. You can't start nope. naming off. I'm doing a bunch. 
<laughs> I'm doing one more after this. Uh, right. Dillard uh, for Hollywood as well. You could have taken Hollywood. And then here is possibly my favorite one. Um, Danny Watkins in 2011 turned out to be a goddamn Canadian fireman. And you took him over. I don't even know who that is. Yeah, I, exactly. He only lasted a couple years and he was horrible. Uh, he was a guard. You took him over. Cam Jordan went right after him. James Carpenter, right after him. Uh, Jimmy Smith and Cam Hayward. Danny Watkins, an ice skating fireman. Love that combo. A little fire nice. Great job. Great job. All right, Matt, how about yourself? If you could redo one pick, one first round pick for your team, what year, what player? Yeah, well, I'm a Giants fan, so there's lots of options here, fellas. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I got some. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, it's Daniel Jones, right? Like, it's it's always been Daniel Jones. I, 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 the first year that I did, you know, speaking of NFL draft live streams, there's there's a video of my reaction to Daniel Jones going at six. I was just absolutely horrified because I'm like, this is five years, this, and that's and we're coming up on year five of, you know, this this isn't going to work out. But um, you know, I hate to say it too, the Barkley pick. You know, I love Saquon Barkley; he's yes. ultra talented, but you saw how that isn't working out you know we're, we're not going to re-sign him more likely than not and you wasted that you know second overall pick and so <laughs> there's a lot of options especially under the David Gettleman era but uh those are those are two ones that are currently still haunting the roster and Kadarius Tony was a trash pick as well but you know we have options yeah I I got into it with uh Dynasty Frank back in the day saying that they should take Quentin Nelson at two or try and trade back and take Quentin Nelson. Uh, and then you can take Chubb in the second round, which um, he wasn't happy with me because we went back and forth a lot. But um, I'd like to say I was right about that. Uh, Quentin Nelson, all pro, probably a Hall of Famer. When So when Quentin Nelson was coming out, it was just like, all right, I, I thought like he was a Hall of Famer. Like you draft a Hall of Famer, I don't care if he's a guard. He's a Hall of Famer. He's going to anchor your line. It doesn't matter if he's a guard. It's the same thing with uh, Kyle Hamilton this year where he's a safety. They're undervaluing that. Uh, if you see him as a top three player, positional value shouldn't matter if you think they're going to be an all pro because you can build around those guys. So I feel like that gets missed a little bit. IDP players, a uh, little tip there, uh, Kyle Hamilton, straight from the mouth of Tom Corson, Hall of Famer. I did that not say that, sir. I didn't say that. I'm just – I was saying positional value. All right, all right, I'm in. Down. I'm in. Uh, quickly, mine, so Cowboys fan, and everyone can, can hit on their finishes, but they've actually drafted pretty well in the first round, except yeah, going back upsetting. to 20 – 17 taco charlton was the pick at 28 they come off that 2016 season with dak and zeke's rookie year right i'm crying because tony romo's done uh they do well they get knocked out right against green bay and so now we have a bad pick at, or at the end of the first round right tj watt two picks later same position and mm -hmm. that's what i'll never get over taco charlton yeah same draft eric barnett man yeah yeah is what it is i, I was uh at a bar and feel Xfinity live basically over where the link is. And we're watching. I'm like, I just want him to take TJ Watt. 
I just want him to take TJ Watt. Yeah. And we were next to a bunch of Steelers fans, and we take Derek Barnett, and they're making fun of me because I, I was like, anybody but Barnett. I don't want Barnett. And then they take Barnett, and then the Steelers fans are just sitting there, and TJ Watt falls to him, and they take him. And I'm just like, I almost got in a fight with the Steelers fans. I almost did. I was so angry. I feel like we almost need to get like Chase Vernon on here for, for the commanders and we can just have an NFC East, like uh, airing of the grievances. Like, okay, no, my team's messed up the most because of this reason, you know, for another time, maybe. Chase would probably pick a new owner. Yeah. Well, oh gosh. Yeah. Can't go down that road. There's too many things. Too many things. Good Lord. Let's get in. Let's get into the media show because we actually are doing two positions not as many as the wide receivers that we did with Angelo, uh, probably still not as many as the running backs we do with Brandon, but still a lot of quality players here at both quarterback and tight end. And we're going to start off, uh, Matt, with just kind of getting your overall uh, rating system. Like, you know, Angelo has his Angelo analysis and Brandon Lejeune has his way. Like, talk to us about your rookie big board rating system, how you how you put them into a certain tier, like, just give us the kind of the overview of how you rank. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've kind of built up this process here. This is about year four of this process. I've been doing this for about six years, but translated it a couple of years ago. Uh, essentially, what I do is I've kind of picked up on different traits uh, for each individual position. And I have those traits weighted out um, based on how important I have found that they are to translate specifically to the NFL, specifically to fantasy football success. So that's a that's the kind of the foundation. It's, it's a tape-review foundation of my scoring system. At that point, too, I add in draft capital, and I add in um, my 2022. This year, it'll be year what I call year one projection and then three-year projection, right? So I'm projecting their immediate impact and their long-term impact. All those factors are weighed differently. Um, but they're all important. Um, and as we lead up to the draft, um, you know, I'm fortunate to be, you know, uh, I think a little bit more uh, ear on the ground than, than maybe some other folks in the, in the rookie space uh, in terms of being able to, to accurately project NFL draft capital, which is really huge in this space. So essentially all those things get put together and a player gets assigned a grade. It's a one through 10 grade. And then Based on that grade that they get, it's not only relative to each other, you know, within a position group and a position year, but what's even more important is I break it down um, by tiers and those tiers line up to, you know, um, fantasy football projection. Do they project to be a running back one, running back two, uh, wide receiver three, all those sorts of things. And that helps me um, put it in a fantasy specific context. And what's really helpful is it helps me compare over years. Um, and so I've also now translated that same system to my Debbie prospects and my dynasty players to help give folks an idea of how rookies rank specifically compared to the current dynasty landscape and the current Debbie landscape as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested because you, you talked about the kind of year one production, the year three production. I think that's an, an important piece to look at because we see these rookies that pop year one and and whether you like that player or not, if they pop year one, they gain value automatically, right? Like I think you'd mentioned Kadarius Tony as a name. Like Kadarius Tony, whether you liked him or not, he had that one game against the Cowboys, right? And it has given him value. And he's a player that was very polarizing, right? So if you didn't like him, you still could have taken him. He gets first round draft capital. He gets year one production, even if it was just a game and a half, right? 
boom, and you can and you can turn that into value. So I'm interested as we get into these quarterbacks and, and as we get into the end and we talk about where you see them fitting and what you think their draft capital is going to be. I'm really interested to, to see that because I've heard a lot of different spaces for, for these guys. Round one, you know, top 15, he's going to fall out of the first round. Uh, really interested to dive in. So let's do just that and and start with your tier one or at least the tier one for this class, let's call it. And that's your league winners. And there's only one quarterback in this class for you. And this is going by your super flex, your, your super flex uh, tiering. And that's Matt Corral. And, and I like this because it's not consensus, right? Most people have a different name here as their quarterback one when we're talking about Superflex, when we're talking about Dynasty. Talk to us about why Corral is the one sole guy in this tier, what sets him above maybe the next guys in your tier below. Yeah, I really like Matt Corral. And one of the things that I've tried to be really specific about the rookie big board and tone it over time is to not be hot takey, right? To really assess where a rookie's value is right now while taking an educated guess on what it's going to be. And in terms of Matt Corral, you know, you're really looking at a player who I think has a great arm. He has great mechanics, some of the best mechanics in the class. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Really good footwork in the pocket, clean throwing motion, quick arm release. And he has the ability to really push the ball downfield. Just as good of his arm as anybody in this class, quite frankly, you know, maybe not Carson Strong, but it's up there. And he's more mobile and athletic than folks, you know, realize. So he's able to run the ball. I think he could be a dual threat in the red zone as well. I think most folks are assuming that he falls um, outside of the top 20. I currently have him projected in the day one mid category, 10 to 20, which is the highest that I have any quarterback ranked. So, you know, if one of these quarterbacks goes top 10, top five, you know, some folks are even thinking top two at this point, you know, certainly landing spot and draft capital is going to really influence the way that we feel about all of these top four, uh, specifically for me, top four quarterbacks. Um, and, and so these guys will probably move around post-draft, but going into it, you know, I think Matt Corral is the perfect combination of uh, good foundation, but also still pretty raw and pretty moldable as well. So I'm excited about Matt Corral, and I think he could uh, do very well in an offense where he can distribute the ball around to some high-profile weapons. Do you have a comp for, for Matt Corral? You know, I'm not a, I'm so not a I've huge seen him. I've yeah, seen yeah. him compared to – Josh Allen, he likes to play like Josh Allen, but he's the size isn't even close, and I don't think the arm strength is. Yeah, I'm not a huge comp guy in general, so I don't tend to throw out the best ones. But I will tell you, you know, it's almost um, the aggressiveness is similar to Josh Allen, and the way that he's built, um, you know, is frame-wise similar to Josh Allen. He's not as heavy or as tall as Josh Allen. So it's almost like Josh Allen's uh, rushing approach packed into Baker Mayfield's frame. So it's a little bit interesting in that sense. Yeah. I do think in the NFL, Matt Corral is going to throw the ball more than he's going to run the ball. Um, but in terms of what we may expect from for fantasy purposes is, you know, I might compare him to uh, Dak Prescott, where he could get like six rushing touchdowns a season, right? So, you know, you know, you're not thinking of Josh Allen necessarily, but he could still add up those points on the ground. Yeah, I think we're going to see that with a couple names in this draft, right, where they're they're not I wouldn't call them dual threat, but they have enough rushing ability where one, it's going to help you fantasy wise because you're going to get you know, three to 400 yards a season. And you have that upside of a Dak Prescott six touchdown um, season. But but then B, it just, it adds to their overall game and why teams are going to 
be, be wanting to take them earlier, right? Like we're seeing this trend uh, more and more towards uh, these dual threat or at least the mobile quarterbacks. And that's maybe why when we get all the way down to a Carson Strong, well, he, he's not viewed quite as highly as if you take this draft class five years ago, eight years ago, he's probably uh, more looked upon as that, that traditional pocket passer. So uh, I, I like how you mentioned Dak Prescott, because that's exactly what came to mind where Dak's not known uh, for running, but he's, he can run, right. It's, it's definitely a part of his game, at least pre ankle, right. We didn't see it as much this last year, but yeah, I really like that, that, that piece of the comp. Let's, let's go to this next tier here. The weekly starters is what you call them. And that's Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis and Sam Howell. And really the first two are really close. Sam Howell's right there in terms of your actual number grading for them. I, I think the big glaring difference between consensus, right, is that Malik Willis wasn't number one. And now you don't have him as number two, although they're basically like neck and neck for you. Uh, I think that's where we need to start this conversation it is what has Willis here instead of up um, at QB1, as most people say he has, quote unquote, the most upside. Um, and I would say on the flip side is I don't know if people are looking at his downside. Maybe that's part of your argument. Uh, what say you? Yeah, you know, I like Malik Willis a lot. Um, I think folks are already accounting for him being a top 10 selection, and that's not where I'm at right now. So um, when it comes to Malik Willis, when it comes time to plug in his projection, if he goes to a landing spot where, you know, I feel like he's going to get good good work on the ground, then he's going to jump uh, in the rankings. But here's the thing folks have to understand about Malik Willis, too. Uh, he may not be ready to start year one or start considerably in year one. And dynasty managers are impatient. So for me, that year one projection does have a heavy weight. It's weighted a lot heavier than three-year projection. You would think dynasty three-year projection is important, but dynasty managers aren't patient. And so if you don't produce right away, your value is going to drop off. So I've kind of baked that into my uh, current price on Malik Willis. Uh, Malik Willis, you have to remember, you know, he has a lot of developing to do as a, as a passer, right? To hone in those mechanics. Those aren't things that are done overnight. And so I think folks are getting a little too excited about Malik Willis, despite the fact that I like him, you know, he's in this, you know, second tier, essentially top tier. These guys are going to all end up in the same tier, most likely once the draft capital folds out. So I consider him to be a top tier quarterback in this class, but you know, I have my reservations with him and especially how long it's going to take him to get onto the field. You kind of see it similar to Trey Lance last year. Cause uh, I haven't dove into the tape, definitely not as deep as you have, but not, not as much as I've wanted to at this point. But from the little bit that I have seen, it, it seems like it is a, a good arm. Um, it, it seems like it is obviously elite rushing upside, right? I, I think we're talking about um, not Lamar Jackson, but but we're in that next stratosphere down, right? And, and so you have that upside. Now it's working on the the, the, the progressions, the, the reads, the pre-snap, right? And so I don't know if you think this, but it kind of feels like it's, hey, it's Trey Lance. And if he lands behind a Jared Goff where the, the Lions want to run it with Jared Goff for a year, let's see what happens. And then a year later when they can move off of that contract, he comes in and now he can be a fantasy asset for you. Or you can pick a, a, a Carson Wentz for, for commanders at pick 11 or, or whoever. Is that kind of how you see it? Or you think they're, they're really not the same with how they are as prospects coming into the league? You know, it's interesting to me. That's that's a really interesting comparison. With Malik Willis, I think there's a, um, from what I'm hearing, NFL front offices are a little bit more comfortable in his football IQ, um, just just in the fact that he's kind of been around the college game longer, right? He started at Auburn, 
Um, he had a pretty experienced college career, so he's had the ability to adapt to different coaches. With Trey Lance, it was you know really a, a factor of he just hadn't played a lot, um, and so you know that red shirt was always obvious to me. I don't know if the red shirt is obvious for Malik Willis as much as I hope. You know, I hope they don't force him into it because for me it's a little bit more on the technical side. I think with Trey Lance, it was a little bit more about just learning the NFL game and, and catching up. You know, not having had that experience. So, and I should point out too, you know, Malik Willis comes in at a seven-seven for for me on my scale without even knowing the scale. You know, Trey Lance came in as a rookie as as an eight-four. So I had you can tell that he was significantly above him on on a one to ten scale. So you know, I, I always like Trey Lance's upside a lot more as a prospect, but um, Malik Willis certainly you know kind of may have to wait in a similar way. That's interesting. That's interesting. Like I feel like from what you're saying, right? We're talking about the arm. There's no questions with the arm. The experience is there, right? He's originally an SEC, transfers to Liberty, has two years of experience in Liberty, absolutely uh, takes a step forward. Um, turnovers went up a little bit, but takes a step forward as a passer, right? Um, so you have the experience, you have the big arm. I would say, in, in my opinion, he's a better rusher of the football than, than Trey Lance, but you know that, that can be debated. It, it's interesting now that we, we when we compare him, it's almost like it's a – not he's not quite what Trey Lance was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know what I, I, I really, I think they have different paths, and in, in, in even in terms of what they offer to the game, you know, even in the way Malik Willis runs, it's a little bit more of pure athleticism as opposed to mobility. Um, and I like Trey Lance's arm better as well, um, although Malik certainly has the tools. So, yeah, I think they kind of have different journeys and different approaches to them. I wouldn't necessarily compare them one-to-one as prospects. For sure. Yeah, and when you, when you talk about landing spots, uh, you talk about, you know, Detroit, uh, which Jared Goff, he would sit a year. You talk about possibly Atlanta, um, where he would sit behind Mariota. And then, you, I mean, you talk about Pittsburgh, probably sit behind Trubisky, you know, Washington, he'd sit behind Wentz. You want to throw Philly in there, he's going to sit behind so-and-so. The only real path I see for him starting, you know, week one is probably Seattle at nine. I I don't know who else he would immediately, like you would know he's a starter for. And even Seattle, they might want to go with Drew Locke just because. So I think you're going to get that year is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, I, I agree. I, I think Seattle um, Panthers at six is going to be oh, a really Panthers interesting situation because yeah. um, they, they, they brought in every single quarterback um, right. for a, for a visit. So you, you it, it's going to be crazy if they don't go quarterback. Cause I think their next pick is a day three pick. Like they don't have their fourth, second. It's fourth round. Yeah. They don't have their third. Yeah, no, I'm, I, miss, I miss the Panthers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like the Panthers and, and Seattle. So I don't, I don't know how many, I mean, I think we might see one rookie quarterback starting in week one, maybe, maybe, right. <laughs> which is pretty crazy to say. Yeah, you know, in terms of pro ready, um, I think Kenny Pickett's probably the guy, right? If Kenny Pickett lands in Carolina, he's probably starting week one. That's kind of what I'm hearing. Kenny Pickett right. to Carolina, yeah. that's um, that's the connection that I'm feeling, you know, strongest about. But outside, we might be waiting for uh, everybody else here in this group. Okay. All right. Speaking of Kenny Pick, Pick, Pickens, so, or, so, Kenny Pickett, my fault. 
Oh, geez. Uh, you know how I, you've, I like you've to never, say. You've never messed up a name. It's okay. No, never. Speaking of Kenny Pickett, uh, you know, he got his little mittens measured, and they came in smaller than Tyrion Lannister's hands at, at eight and a half inches. Um, Joe Burrow currently has the smallest hands among all starters at nine inches. So, Matt, does size matter? Well, I got to tell you, now all I'm picturing – it's Kenny Pickett with George Pickens's hands because of, <laughs> because of your slip up there. So yeah, I, I think bad. if we if we gave him George Pickens's hands, we'd right. be good to go. I'm not super worried about it. Here's the thing: uh, this is this is one of those categories. Um, well, let me phrase it in this way. I, I think one thing that I have found really helpful for fantasy when evaluating rookies is to do good analysis and deep analysis. But know when there's a cutoff point, right? And I feel like at the point where I'm changing my feelings on a prospect after watching, you know, eight games of tape on them, if I'm then now worried about small hands, I feel like maybe we've hit a point where we've gone too deep, right? And so here's what I do. I'm going to listen to what the NFL tells me. If the NFL cares, I care. If Kenny Pickett goes at six, the NFL doesn't care. I don't care about his hands. Kenny Pickett falls to the second round. Okay, there's a red flag with hands here, and the NFL views this as a serious concern. So that's kind of where I'm at with Kenny Pickett's hands. Uh, and I think it's really important for us to accept that sometimes we got to listen to what the NFL is going to tell us. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Um, I think it, it really comes down to, you know, turnovers and whatnot. And if he goes to a cold weather team, then that's where it might be a problem, like holding onto the ball a little bit more. But again, there's these things called gloves uh, that that quarterbacks can use. It's he wears two concept. sets of them. He, he wears right. double gloves, actually. Right. I mean, so I mean, what? he can do that. Double gloves. Who is yeah, it? You, Teddy two. I believe he double gloves, two yeah. gloves. Hey, hey, Tom. Size doesn't matter when you double bag. Okay, just that's the takeaway. Okay, <laughs> that's the takeaway from this pod. Never uh, double bag. I'll, I'll tell Never you, you know, bag. in terms of pure tape grade, Kenny Pickett has the best quarterback tape grade for me because, yeah. but, but it's you know, I think he's got a, a lower ceiling, right? But he's an accurate quarterback. I think he throws really well at all three levels of the field. He's got good velocity, good arm talent. And uh, a good mental processing ability. He had 40 years as a starter at Pitt. And he progressed. You would not like freshman year Kenny Pickett, but he progressed over time. So I, I really like him. I think he's got good mechanics. And, you know, you put him in Carolina, and I think you might have one of the best quarterbacks. And folks have kind of written off Kenny Pickett. But you put him in Carolina where he can just distribute drop off the ball to CMC, get the ball to DJ Moore. Uh, my man, Terrace Marshall, is going to be resurrected, uh, and, and Kenny Pickett's going to launch it deep to him. You know, I, I think you could get a really good discount on Kenny Pickett because folks already think he's gross. Um, but in Carolina specifically, it would be really fun for to see him there. Yeah, I've seen um, people make his range as far as the starter as, like, upside as Derek Carr and the, like, you know, downside is Andy Dalton at Cincinnati, where he's just kind of like, meh, whatever. So that's a hell that's of a kind of where you're at. That's and but here's the deal: I don't want to spend the six pick on just the guy who's like, eh, eh, whatever. But they are fighting for their jobs in Carolina, and that matters. And, you know, I, and I think too, you know, when you look at 
what Matt Rule wants to do. He wants to run the ball. He wants to protect the ball, right? And I think he wants a quarterback that he feels comfortable with can just manage his offense. And so that's why I'm leading towards, you know, Kenny Pickett in that offense. Now, the question for us as fantasy managers is what does that volume look like, right? And, and, you know, is he going to throw the ball 500 plus times a season or are they really going to, you know, feed CMC until he goes down in week three again? So are you, so if you're Carolina, are you more comfortable with Kenny Pickett or trading, you know, a 2023 third round pick or fourth round pick for Baker Mayfield? They just did that. They just did that and it didn't work. No way. I know, but it was a second, it was two second round picks. And Cleveland has no leverage right now on Baker Mayfield. So it'll be cheaper. But that's I, I think, the question. I think what you look at it, right, when you're a new coach and you come in, you're going to be evaluated based on the on your quarterback that you select, yes. right? And so he missed on Darnold, which he can get away with because, he, you know, you can kind of coach that as, or, or couch that as, you know, I was taking my shot on a guy out there. I think now he's got to prove he can get his quarterback. And so I think he is kind of pigeonholed into needing to take a quarterback. And he has that connection with Kenny Pickett already. Um, Matt Rule recruited Kenny Pickett to Temple, originally was committed to him before switching to Pitt. So he kind of have this like this pre-established relationship. And yeah. so I think Rule feels comfortable with that. And I think Rule wants to play it safe. I don't think he wants uh, Baker Mayfield running around improvising. I really don't. I, I think he wants a good defense and I think he wants to run the ball. And he wants a quarterback that can protect the ball. And I'm not the biggest Baker Mayfield fan, but even those who are aren't going to aren't going to suggest that he's you know um, protecting the ball or or that guy that you can really trust to to game manage in that way. So you think uh, they prefer a game manager in Kenny Pickett as opposed to taking a shot on Malik Willis? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Specifically and, in Carolina, I'm not saying that every team right. would view. Yeah. That yeah. Way, yeah. That's yeah. that's what I'm talking about specifically because yeah. at six that. If Detroit passes on a QB, which I think they're going to, at six is where I think that's going to come into play unless you see the Giants yep. trade down from five for another team to jump up ahead and yep. take a quarterback. I think that's what's going to happen. And I, as a Giants fan, I would be thrilled. They they hold a lot of power with that five spot. For sure. Yeah, they do. So, so yeah, I, I like how you said the Matt Rule connection. There's also the David Tepper connection that you've been hearing all over the place of being the Pitt alum, going to a lot of games, being around that that program. So, yeah, I, I'm all in with that. And, and I think that when we look at Kenny Pickett and who's pro-ready, who's maybe a little bit on the hot seat with Matt Rule, right? We, we had the, the scapegoat last year with Joe Brady. Now it's kind of, hey, you, you, you need to win and probably win this season or you're, you're, you're really in the hot seat. So, um, I like that thought. Let's get to the final guy in this tier. And he's kind of almost the forgotten guy, I feel like, right? After the 2020 season and all the excitement with all of those weapons, his crazy season, he dips a little bit in 2021 um, and and doesn't have, really have the same amount of weapons really at all. And now I feel like people are kind of pushing him back to, hey, he's my Q- QB5. He's my QB6 now with the, the rise that Ritter and, and Strong are getting. So, so talk to us on Howell and why he's still in this tier over Strong and Ritter. Give us the skinny. Yeah, you know, I think if you look at Howell, um, he's a really exciting player. Um, and, you know, he certainly has a lot of tools. He struggled in 2021, but, you know, I think if you look at that context, it makes a lot of sense. He lost his playmakers. He lost his offensive line. This is the guy who broke out early as a freshman. 
And I think folks are frustrated because Sam Howell, I don't know, has gotten better over the last three years, but he was really good to start. Um, and so he, he has great arm talent. He has the ability to get the ball 55 yards downfield, good zip on the ball in the short field, accurate through the midfield, good mechanical foundation there, fluid throwing motion, throws from a good platform. Um, he does really well to close his body when throwing on the run. It helps make him um, accurate while throwing on the run. And he's got good mobility. You know, I think folks kind of write off uh, quarterback. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but they kind of write off quarterbacks if they're not pure rushers. But Sam Howell is good mobility. Um, he improvises well, uh, which does translate well to the NFL. Um, and he he is athletic. You know, you look at him and you do see a pure athlete. He can make throws on the run. He can improvise, right? And so I think there's a lot to like about Sam Howell. In my my uh, quarterback four spot for him, you know, is, isn't far behind Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, but that is projecting him with later draft capital. You know, I project him in that 20 to 50 bucket. Uh, which is my next one down from where I have Corral, Pickett, and Willis projected. So, you know, I'm factoring in Sam Howell as a tier one quarterback, even if he does slide um, into the second round. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of just in a point where if you can get a good value on him, you know, don't forget he's there and don't forget that he does have the talent. Yeah, I, I agree that we haven't seen a ton of mocks and these are from the guys that are plugged in, right? Like I, I try and follow guys that have either had a history of doing this for a long time. They're, they're, plugged in with the NFL. And when you look at their mocks, you really don't see how going first round right now, maybe sometimes he's sliding in at the back of the first, if, if people want that fifth year, but I agree. I feel like we, we talk about those first three guys and that could be it. It could be just the three quarterbacks going in the first round. We'll, we'll see what happens. But with Sam Howley, it's really interesting because again, we talk about another guy that can run, like you were just saying, Matt Corral, uh, Kenny Pickett, we're going to get to Desmond Ritter. These are all guys that can add value on the ground. And so I think it makes them interesting, even if uh, maybe if you're looking at the full scope of what you want from the perfect quarterback, they might be still developing, right? So I, I, I like Howell as well. It's tough when you want to slot him uh, against these other top three guys. I probably have him a little bit lower um, just based on, hey, he, he needed a lot of that talent around him. It's not like he played bad this year. He definitely dipped from 2020, but – you lost a ton of pieces. So I'm kind of talking out both sides of my mouth, but it's understandable why it dipped. But also I, I think I do recognize that the dip did happen, which I think is important because we look at some of these other guys, right? Who did Malik Willis have around him? I, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. Right. And then Kenny Pickett, we have the wide receiver coming out next year. Names slip in my mind right now. Jordan Addison. That, yeah. Yeah. Addison. And other than that, Daddy, I can't name anybody please. else. Right. So um, that that's where I'll just kind of talk both sides of the mouth and say, I, I do have a tier below because we did see that dip, right? Nice dip. <laughs> when you dip, I dip, we dip. <laughs> the flex fillers is the next tier. It, it's Carson strong. It's Desmond Ritter and Ritter's really had um, this meteoric rise, but I want to talk about Carson strong. Um, Cause I don't know. There's something about him being maybe the only, like we were just talking about how these quarterbacks are, are mobile and they can run. We're not mistaking that with with the Carson Strong, right? He is your Matt Ryan ilk, Philip Rivers ilk. Uh, feels like Palmer. the Carson Palmer. He's, he feels like the Mac Jones of this class. He's down here a bit for you as the flex filler, so you probably don't see that upside of some of the names I just said. Give me your thoughts on Carson Strong. Yeah, you know, certainly, you know, probably has the best arm in the class, just in terms of pure ability to huck the ball downfield. He's got good velocity. He adjusts well at all three levels of the field. That's really important when it comes to arm talent. Um, 
solid mechanics, a little bit of a hitch in his throwing motion. It slows him down a little bit. His feet are a little too jittery, but nothing that I think couldn't be fixed uh, with some good NFL coaching. But here's the thing. Carson Strong is in the pocket. Like this man is a statue, right? Uh, You know, even comparing him to Mac Jones is probably not fair because Mac Jones, I think, could at least scoot to evade pressure. Like Carson Strong feels pressure too easily. I don't love his pocket awareness. Um, And so, you know, I think Matt Ryan is really, you know, kind of a best, best case scenario for Carson Strong. Here's the thing. Carson Strong, I think, could have been a first round quarterback and still may be. But there are serious question marks about his knee, and we won't know that until uh, the NFL draft because um, that would have been either cleared or not been cleared by NFL medical staffs. And so Carson knee could, or Carson Strong could potentially have a degenerate knee condition, which some folks think could, you know, limit his career to to a one contract quarterback. So at that point, you know, you got a statue passer um, who may only be around for five years. That's not best case scenario for fantasy. So. That that's what's challenging about Carson Strong, but you know he's got a big arm, and I do think he has the ability to be a good passing quarterback in the NFL. However, for fantasy football purposes, you know you have to be a damn good passer to only be a passer, right? And there's only so many Aaron Rodgerses and Tom Brady's out there. Well, the good news is, if he has a degenerate knee, he can't move anyway, so it's fine. Just just put a peg on there, keep him there. It's not going to move much different. I mean, yeah, yeah. Send him to the Bucks. We can go with like a nautical theme there with the peg yeah, leg. Like we a, could really play into it. He'd just be like a fucking pirate. I mean, it, it sounds like the shoulder and everything. It sounds like Tom Brady's trying trying to move to a different team. He's trying to get to the Dolphins or something. Poor Tua can't just be the starting quarterback for the Dolphins. He always has to have some kind of drama around him. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, so Desmond Ritter is gaining a lot of steam uh, lately in dynasty circles and mock drafts as well. He's going towards the late end of the first round. We see in a lot of mocks. Uh, you don't seem to be as high on him. What is your hesitation there? You know, I've ridden the Desmond Ritter roller coaster. Uh, I've been there. You know, I've been at the top of that. I, I've been the Desmond Ritter enthusiast. I just don't see his game translating to the NFL. When you look at his arm talent, you know, you can see him throw the ball deep 55 yards down the field. When you look at his accuracy, it's beyond frustrating. Uh, it's some of the, the the most infuriating quarterback tape I've seen since I started reviewing tape. You know, he's, he really struggles to place the ball along the sideline. And you want your rookie quarterback, your young quarterback, to be able to place the ball along the sideline because it gets dangerous over the middle of the field. And so his inability to be accurate outside of the numbers is really concerning for me. 
I worry about that translation to the next level. He short arms the ball so often. It really frustrates me. He leaves his body wide open while throwing the ball. It persists throughout all of his 2020 tape, through his 2021 tape. Um, here's my thing with Desmond Ritter. These questions about accuracy, these questions about mechanics. He's a four-year starter in college. If he hasn't solved those things by now, I just don't think he's going to get to the NFL and fix those things. You know, you look at Malik Willis. You look at, uh, you know, even um, Matt Corral to a degree. These aren't guys who started four years of college under the same system, same scheme. Desmond Ritter had the opportunity to hone down these mechanics, and I just don't see him getting there. So, you know, I know there's this kind of late push to make him a, a round one guy, and, and maybe the NFL takes him as a round one guy. Um, but the NFL took Jordan Love as a round one guy, so, um, you know, yes. it only gets you so far. And Jordan Love, you know, had equally horrible tape. So, um, you know, for, for different reasons. So, for me, um, if, if Desmond Ritter is going to ride up your boards, fantastic. Let let your league mates take them higher and get a discount, especially if you're going to get a discount on a guy like Sam Howell, right? Last point I'll make on Desmond Ritter, and I think this is important, is that folks know he ran the fast 40 time. They think uh, they're excited about his ability to, um, you know, tear it up on the ground at the NFL level. I'm not convinced that Desmond Ritter is going to do that. Desmond Ritter was really good at executing design runs. He really struggled to improvise. He really struggled on broken down plays. He was slow to get moving um, and slow to recognize when there were holes available on the field. In the NFL, he's not going to be asked to execute design runs in the same way that you are in a college scheme, right? So think of Desmond Ritter as a mobile guy, not an athletic guy, and certainly not a pure rusher. So, you know, that's one of the cautions. Folks say, well, you know, don't worry about his accuracy. He can run the ball. You know, I don't think he can. Um, You know, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but we mentioned this guy earlier at the top of the show. You know, I see some Daniel Jones in him. Like, we thought Daniel Jones, or people thought Daniel Jones was athletic coming out of Duke. He was never really athletic. He was just kind of mobile for what the college game asked him to do. Similar in accuracy, similar inconsistencies. You know, Desmond Ritter certainly has a better arm, but other than that, mechanical concerns, I got there's there's just a lot of hesitations for me when it comes to Desmond Ritter. I don't know. Daniel Jones is pretty athletic. I saw him run 70 yards and fall down against the Eagles. <laughs> Dude, I was just going there. Like whenever you talk about Daniel Jones rushing, the first thing that comes to your mind is a 70 yard run tripped by the turf monster. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. They still, they still scored that drive, but it doesn't yes. matter. Yeah. It didn't make it any better. It hasn't made the no, last four was, years any better fellas. Um, it it's fantastic. just nothing but pain. So I, I don't that, hope that on anybody's NFL team. Too? including the people that keep mocking Desmond Ritter to the Giants in the second round. I'm like, guys, we just did this. Didn't you trade up to get him, too? I don't believe so. No, I think we were sitting there. I think we took him at six, right? Yeah, you guys took him at six. Yeah. I think we I think, were I, think, I, I know we're doing this at the end, but, like, Seahawks brought him in today, I think, for a visit. Mm-hmm. I feel like Seahawks in the early second is that landing spot for him. Just, Listen, man, there's a couple There's a couple teams where you should never bother trying to predict what they're going to do, and the Seattle Seahawks are one of them. They are yeah. absolute wild cards. And then you add in the fact that they've never had a, t- I, you know, in recent memory at least, had a top 10 pick. Who knows what they could do? I almost hope they take Desmond Ritter and just break Twitter, like just break the fantasy community. It, it would be really chaotic, and I live for the chaos. Yeah, first. first round, man. Take them, take them nine overall. Let's just <laughs> no, no, no. fully lean into it. Pete Carroll wants to establish the run. He's going Brees Hall at nine. Lock it in. 
it's happening. I mean, this is the man that took Rashad Penny at what twenty five. So it's you're true. joking, but are you joking? <laughs> okay, so any other quarterbacks? I feel like that's like the 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 end, right? But everybody always has like this other guy I want to talk about. For you, Matt, is there anybody else that you feel like needs to be talked about? You're shaking your head here for everybody listening on podcast form. Nobody I else. Mean- I mean, Bailey Zappi is super fun. Out of Western Kentucky, he was he's such a fun story, a zero-star guy playing at FCS, uh, Houston Baptist, transfers to Western Kentucky, in one season leads uh, all of college football in passing yards. So he's super fun, but he executed a, a, an air raid offense. He's got a great arm, great pocket awareness. Another guy who's not going to be mobile outside of the pocket. So Bailey Zappi, you know, if, if you're in a deep super flex league and you're going four rounds, you know, he could be worth stashing on your taxi squad uh, because I do think he's a guy who will probably go in round three or four of the NFL draft. And I, I think, you know, he can hold the clipboard for a while and you never know when you're going to get your shot. You know, he could end up being the next Case Keenum, right? But, um, you know, he's fun, but, you know, I, not somebody that I would, um, you know, necessarily tell you to go out and make a priority in your drafts. That reminds me of like a, a Kellen Moore, right? Kellen Moore, Boise State, super fun. Uh, the, the bowl game, awesome. Not probably your NFL quarterback, only a couple years. Uh, yeah, in the NFL. yeah. You know, I, I think when you when you watch as many rookies as me, you learn to just appreciate them in context, right? Like, he could be a fun guy that, that's just kind of on an NFL roster and becomes relevant sometimes. And, hey, that still has some level of fantasy value. If you're playing in 35, 40-man leagues, they're still, that, that's still important. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's go to superlatives. We love doing this because it kind of just uh, creates like uh, it puts these guys into areas for the, the listeners who, who have not dove into these guys as prospects. It gives them the, the who has the best arm, who's most NFL ready, who's the most raw. It just gives them a quick little snapshot of how they should view some of these prospects. So um, because there's only like six of them that we're talking about, normally we don't let you use the same name twice. But but since we only have six of them, you can use the same name twice. Um, let's start off with best arm. Yeah, in terms of just best pure arm, it's going to be Carson Strong. And, and Carson Strong has shown it off. You know, there's a funny clip of the Senior Bowl where he's throwing the ball deep to Romeo Dubs, who's his teammate, and he doesn't even try to hit him. Like he just hucks the ball 65 yards, you know, past the practice field just to show the scouts that he can do it. So, you know, in terms of just pure arm, it's it's Carson Strong. I love that. Love that. Least turnover prone. Least turnover prone. That's a pretty good one. You know, um, Matt, if you look at the numbers, it's Matt Corral. Matt Corral had a great touchdown to interception ratio for Ole Miss, and he ran the ball a whole ton and did not fumble it. So, you know. Uh, we talked about Kenny Pickett being safe earlier, but Matt Corral uh, did really well in college with that. Bless Matt Corral's soul for not losing the football and running because he got smoked so yeah. many times as a runner. That's number one thing I wrote down is like, this guy needs to not take these kind of hits at the NFL level. Tennessee game. He ran the ball 30 something times uh, and was, you know, if you, if you want to talk about competitive tough, toughness, you watch Matt Corral play against Tennessee. So uh, real quick. Matt Carell guy, like just from from what I've just seen casually as a fan, the first tape I watch is Tennessee, and he does not play well at all. Like he is inaccurate in that game. He runs it a million times, gets smoked, and I'm like, what was I thinking? This guy is no good. I had to watch more. I had to watch more, but I love and how he got you the mentioned. crap kicked out of him uh, in it that was, game. He really did. 
kept coming back the very last play of the game. He does a run, gets smoked, very last play of the game. And it um, wins them the game, too. It wins yep. them the game. Yep. Let's do best pocket presence. Ooh, best pocket presence. Uh, we might be back Carson at Mac Corral. can't move. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, that's a joke. Yeah, un- well, that's the problem. It's not Mac Corral. Um, I'm pulling up my grades here to make sure I get you the best one. Well, it's probably Bailey Zappi. Um, yeah, in terms of highest grade, it's Bailey Zappi, but otherwise, Kenny Pickett. Okay, okay, I like that. Most NFL ready. It's going to be Kenny Pickett, yeah. I, I think he's the guy that you could plug in day one, feel comfortable running your offense. Now, is that because we feel Matt Corral is a little bit more scheme-dependent de- than Kenny Pickett? I think Matt Corral just has a little bit more development to do in terms of his pocket awareness specifically um, and in terms of honing in his accuracy, you know, uh, just kind of being toned up by an NFL team and the fact that he did run a very specific scheme at Ole Miss. Yep. Yep. Okay. The most raw potential or excuse me, the most raw prospect. Yeah, I would say the most raw prospect is is going to be uh, Malik Willis, but yeah. he's going to come with the highest upside as well. Um, yeah, I would go with Malik Willis. Biggest bust potential. So this is going to be for anybody you think is going to go, let's say, top 40 in the draft. It's going to be Malik Willis. <laughs> you know, with, with, uh, with upside comes risk, but, you know, I, I make a point to, to you know, talk to folks when when they're looking for advice on rookie drafts you know you have to understand your own risk tolerance but there's no reason to draft scared you should go for upside so if you like Malik Willis and you like his upside as you have to be know that you're okay if he busts but there's nothing wrong with going for that boom bust guy scared money don't make money exactly there you go and then finally who's most likely to exceed expectations Oh, that's a good one. Exceed expectations. Well, you know what? Let's uh, because we gave him a shout out early. Well, no, I'm going to go Sam Howell. I was going to go Bailey Zappi because I think he could hang around. But, you know, I I do think Sam Howell, I think we've just, uh, you know, I I just think that we have forgotten about Sam Howell. I think forgotten is the best word. I think we've just gotten excited about the new the new shiny quarterbacks. And we we understand who Sam Howell is um, and you put him in the right spot then especially behind a good offensive line and you really could see Sam Howell flourish. All right. We are going to play the match game or the dating game, whatever you want to do here. All right. Put some hearts around these quarterbacks and teams. So you're going to give me your preferred landing spot uh, for some of these QBs and also like where you think they're likely to go. Uh, so we can start with your QB one, Matt Corral. That's probably going to be a little bit tougher. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's going to help his fantasy stock, but I think Washington makes a lot of sense for Matt Corral. Yeah. I think Ron is a great quarterback for him. You have Terry McLaurin there. You have a balanced running attack as well. So, and in just in terms of uh, what he'll be asked to do in that offense, I think it's a pretty good fit. All right, so they're they're at eleven, I think. So you think mm-hmm. we can go that high, huh? All right. Yeah, I think me, I think Crow would be justified at eleven. Okay, give me Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, I think, is going to go to Carolina at six. Yep. All right, yep. Malik Willis. Yeah, Willis is interesting. Um, you know, I think Detroit would be fun. Do they take him at two? Probably not. Um, and so. 
Then you're kind of looking at New Orleans at 16, I think is probably the most attractive spot. But, you know, New Orleans is kind of a mess. So is it even an attractive spot? Probably Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's probably best case scenario for fantasy. Do you think that's a trade up or? Well, Mike Tomlin's been pretty bullish on on, um, on Malik Willis from what we've seen. I don't think Pittsburgh would hesitate to trade up. Um, You know, they pretty much, they only have really their own picks, but I could see them. Uh, leveraging some future draft capital. So you think Kenny Pickett's the first quarterback off the board? Yeah, I, I think he goes off the specifically because it's a fit with Carolina. If Pittsburgh was drafting six, I would tell you I'd probably think Malik Willis is coming first off the board. I think it's interesting once you get past Seattle at nine, because like you were saying, I think it's perfect what you said earlier. Like we don't know what Seattle's doing. I no idea, right? At nine. Once he gets past, I think you have a, a slew of teams that uh, probably won't go quarterback and you have a lot of opportunity for Pittsburgh to trade up, right? They jump from, you know, 20 to 12 with the Vikings, uh, 20 to 13 with the Texans. Like, I think there's a lot of opportunity for them to jump, you know, those, those seven, eight spots um, to, to nab their guy. Cause I, I, again, teams can do this smoke screen stuff, but it seems like from the senior bowl to the pro day, where both Colbert and Tomlin went, and that was the only quarterback where both the GM and the, the head coach went. It just feels like Malik Willis is going to be their guy. And if he falls past that nine spot, now you don't have to trade up into the top 10, which I think is a more premium pick. Like we're talking about your second pick right now. You can say it's a third, a future third, something like that. Yeah. And Eagle, even the, the Eagles at 15, because they're right in front of the saints, I think are a prime <laughs> spot as well uh let's go to sam howell uh i think best case scenario for fantasy is for uh sam howell to go 42 to the colts you know get him behind that offensive line i I think that would be really fantastic you know i wouldn't hate him in detroit either especially if he goes to detroit at 32 i wouldn't hate that landing spot um either because detroit's done a, a quite quietly good job of building up that offensive line as well yeah, I could see them trading up for 32 as well. Oh, they are 32, um, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Desmond Ritter. Um, gosh, pick your favorite USFL team. No. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, I'm going to get a lot of hate for that. Uh, the Argonauts. Give me CFL. Houston, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I guess Atlanta. Folks would probably say Atlanta because I haven't paired them up with a quarterback yet. And I don't think that they invest highly in a quarterback. You know, I don't think they go there at eight. So if you're looking at, uh, you know, what what is Atlanta pick in the second round? Whatever that pick is. Eight, I think, 40. 40. Yeah, 40. 40. 58, I think, would be more appropriate. But 43, they're also picking with. So I, I guess Desmond Ritter, truthers, would probably want him to go there. And, you know, Kyle Pitts is a pretty big target, so you just kind of got to get it in the vicinity. Yeah. All right. But that's give me it. Carson, give me Carson Strong. Carson Strong. Um, yeah, so you're probably out of starting positions at this point, right? Um, well, you have not mentioned Seattle yet. Haven't mentioned Seattle. Um, you know, I'm a big Drew Locke guy, so I think we'll just keep <laughs> Drew Locke uh, in that starting spot. You know, Seattle I think would be fine. You know, you could look at Carson Strong as, well, I guess the Bruce Arians offense is out. I was going to say, you know, he would kind of fit in as a Tom Brady backup and able to execute the the, Tom, the Bruce Arians offense. So, you know, you could peg him in there as a backup. I, I don't think you're looking for Carson Strong to be a starter at this point in time. 
All right. Uh, Vegas has the over under for quarterbacks being drafted at two and a half. That's at minus two fifty. You taking the over there? I would take the over there. Yeah. Um, is there more than two quarterbacks who deserve to go in the first round? You can make that argument, but this is the NFL. And so I wouldn't be shocked if we get five, even though we probably should get four. That's kind of where right. I'm so at. If, with it. So if I move that over under to three and a half, are you taking the over or the under? I'm still taking the over four feels like the right number. And let me tell you why, because here's what, here's what happens, right? You take Kenny Pickett off the board at six. Okay, you know, one guy off the board. We're assuming Malik Willis is going to come off the board somewhere, right? 20. Say even he falls to 20 and nothing happens in between. Well, you have New Orleans with two picks there. You have, you know, Philly with two picks there. Uh, there's opportunity now. Well, there's opportunity uh, for uh, teams to trade out. That's yep, what right. I'm saying. Yep. And so yep. there's nothing more valuable in the NFL than that fifth-year option on the rookie quarterback contract, right? So if you think about now there's these teams with extra picks potentially looking to trade back, even if they don't want a quarterback themselves, and then you add in Detroit there at 32, I think that you could easily convince yourself that whether they should or not, teams are going to trade up to get that fifth-year option. Absolutely. I think this is the – all-time high for teams with two picks with eight. Eight teams mm. have two picks in, in the first round, um, which I think I believe, is I believe bomb. next year it's six or seven already. No way. Wow. F them picks. Yeah, listen, we're, yeah, we're well, taking the I full mean, dynasty fantasy football approach, they're, right? They're, you just load up on those picks. I mean, Eagles have two this year and two next year, and they're attempting to basically build Jalen Hurts insurance in case he's not any good, so. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But again, they have competition because a lot of teams have two picks. Yep. All right. That was fantastic quarterback talk. Uh, I'm really excited uh, that we got to hear about all of those guys, including a little Bailey Zappi. Got a little uh, uh, cherry on top there at the end. Let's transition and talk tight ends. I don't think this will take as long, but I still think it's an important conversation to kind of help people uh, at the end of their drafts, right? You're, you're in this tight end premium you're in the two tight end leagues some of these guys are going to become fantasy relevant maybe not year one but year two three whatever um so let's talk about your tiers here we have your first tier and it has just one guy in it your flex filler so this isn't even one of your higher tiers um this is kind of a, a lower tier even though it's your top one for this flex filler trey mcbride he's obviously been the consensus he's kind of the tight end one for almost everybody in here he, he's this f move tight end that can also play in line. Uh, he's not going to be a liability. Talk to us about, you know, how high slash maybe low because of where you have him in your, your overall um, tiered, uh, your overall tiers, right? Uh, talk to us about him versus maybe the 2021 class with Pitts, Fryermuth, Brevin Jordan, Tommy Tremble, Hunter Long, because I think it's obvious that he's kind of set himself apart in this class, but let's give some context about where he's at in, in terms of another class. Yeah, absolutely. So you look at Trey McBride, and I have him. Um, my flex filler tier is a tight end two. So we're talking tight end 12 to 24, uh, which is a pretty wide open field, as you guys know. So, you know, I, I think for McBride, there's a lot of upside. He's super athletic. He's got great hands. Um, and you mentioned he can be an inline blocker as well, which is going to get him onto the field fairly quickly in the NFL. So, you know, I think there's reason to be excited about Trey McBride, but 
I think it has to be cautious optimism. You know, we're, we shouldn't be taking him outside of the third round of fantasy drafts, you know, unless you have a super premium on the tight end position in your league. Uh, you know, compared to last year's class, he's well below, you know, Fairmouth, you know, moving into that, you know, this is not a guy that you're plugging into your starting lineup right away. So kind of in that flex filler range. So uh, certainly an exciting player, you know, if you're in on him, you're in on him. but you know, let's, let's be uh, realistic with the price that we're going to pay. Yeah. So my next question was going to be how early do you start think, thinking about taking him in rookie drafts? Uh, and you said third, is that early third or, or what? Yeah. You know, I think you've certainly, um, you know, I think as early as is 301 to 306 is probably where we're going to see him go off the board. I think there will be folks that are bullish on him, uh, that that prioritize him because there's going to be a tier drop at the tight end position and, and may take him in the second round. But I'd probably be comfortable with him, you know, closer to 304, 305. Here's the thing about this year's rookie class. It's really deep at the wide receiver position, and I'm sure you guys talked about this already. Um, but when you look at the wide receiver class, that is really where I'm seeing my guys that I want to take in the third round. So it's going to be difficult for me to prioritize Trey McBride at 301 when there's going to be guys that I really like, like Khalil Shakur, you know, potentially even Alec Pierce falling down that far. Um, you know, guys that um, there's just there's just so much depth that even my wide receiver 10, I'd probably rather take over to the tight end one. Yeah, I think he's probably going to be gone by then. And and obviously, draft capital is going to have a big part to play with this. Um, if he's a, a second round guy, as we've seen in most of these mocks, uh, I'm going to assume some team's going to take it, the, the, their top tight end, whether it's him, uh, Dolchitz, Otten, one of these guys. We're, we're looking probably second, maybe third round for these guys. So I'm going to guess, given that he's going to have a day two draft capital, given that he's kind of the teardrop, like you just said. I, I can't really see him falling past the second. And then we talk about tight end premium and all that for sure going in the second. But, yeah, if we're talking 304, 305, I, I bet we're at a point where we're missing out uh, on a lot of Trey McBride. So let's talk about your your next tier. It's the bench depth guys, right? We have Kate Otten, Greg Dolchitz, Grant Calcaterra, uh, Jeremy Rucker, Isaiah Likely, Jelani Woods, Charlie Kolar. This is kind of your your pick your type, right? We talked about uh, you know the, the match game, right? Like, do you want the athletic guy like Woods, Dolchitz, Calcaterra? Do you want the production guy like Kohler or Likely? Do you want the versatile guy like Kate Otten or Rucker? You have all the options here. Talk to us maybe about like two of your favorite guys in this tier, so we can help kind of break them out. Even though they're all in the same tier, if you're targeting guys maybe in the late third, fourth round of your rookie draft you have a two tight end league or something like that. You need somebody to take a shot on who do you like? Yeah, that's a really good question. And so obviously, you know, the easy answer is let's see, you know, where these guys land. And that's probably where we're going to end up loving one of these guys. But, you know, I think they all kind of bring something a little bit unique to the table. Uh, Kate Otten is somebody who I think is flying under the radar, but I know the NFL likes, I expect him to probably be one of the first three tight ends taken off the board. He's an athletic tight end. He's a good pass catcher. We saw limited volume from him, and he played in the Pac-12, so that's why you probably haven't heard of him too much. Greg Dolchich is exactly what you want out of a uh, fantasy football tight end. He's athletic, good hands, good pass-catching ability, fast, fast enough for the position. Uh, Grant Calcaterra is somebody who I think has the highest ceiling of this group. Uh, Calcaterra, remember, was a four-star tight end prospect, started at Oklahoma, broke out early as a freshman, uh, ended up medically retiring because of concussions, Got medically cleared, came back to college, bounced around a little bit, 
and then did really well at SMU. And so he may be somebody because he has already medically retired from football once he may end up sliding in terms of draft capital. But, you know, what I would encourage folks is if you've identified the tight end that you like pre-draft and you're disappointed because they go rounds four, five, six, seven, that's the position where draft capital tends to mean a little bit less. I mean, we're talking about Darren Waller and George Kittle were both guys that came out of day three. I believe Kelsey was a third round pick if I'm remembering that correctly. Right. So uh, we're talking about guys at the top. Even Mark Andrews, I think, was a was a mid round pick, third round pick. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're talking about guys who may not necessarily have captured high, high end draft capital that still end up in being, you know, really relevant for the fantasy landscape. So um, the other guy that I will mention, too, is Jeremy Rucker, because. Jeremy Ruckert, I think, is going to be sneaky good for fantasy football and somebody who you probably can get in the fourth round of your rookie drafts. Jeremy Ruckert was asked to block, smash people in the face at Ohio State, and he was very good at it. In Ohio State, as we know, had Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. This was the offense that uh, Jameson Williams couldn't get targets in, so he transferred, right? But when they targeted Jeremy Ruckert, especially when they targeted him in the end zone, he was athletic, he was a good pass catcher, he had good body positioning. He had good contested catchability. And so Jeremy Ruckert is a guy who could be a much more targeted NFL uh, player than he was a college player. It's a rare thing. But if you take in the context of the offense, I think it makes a lot of sense. So if you're looking to bet on some upside, uh, especially if you can get him in the fourth round, Jeremy Ruckert is the guy um, you know, in this you know tier that we were talking about who I could most easily see you know five years down the line being a top five tight end um, just because I think he has the skill set, but you don't have to pay for it because he wasn't asked to show it too much for the Buckeyes. Yeah. Our boy, uh, Sal Lito absolutely loves Jeremy Ruckert and he's been talking him up for what, two years now, three years. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we all play in a league together that I, I won and lost in the championship game this year. So sorry, Robbie, but um yeah, no, Sal's been telling us about Ruckert for a couple years. So I think Sal might take Ruckert at 101. Uh, he, he might. <laughs> no, he's he a huge might. fan. He might. Yeah, I know he, he has a strong him. character endorsement for Ruckert as well. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I, I think these names are all really interesting because you can, like you were saying, you can pick your guy. Like, what's the guy that you, you like? And most likely, unless any of these guys get round two, which I can definitely see Otten – Dolchitz getting round two, probably not any of the rest of those guys, but you never really know. Um, the rest of these guys are going to slide, and these are going to be, depending on landing spot, if there's not somebody else there, right? Like Bengals, I feel like they're a really open spot. Who lands with the Bengals? If Greg Dolchitz lands with the Bengals, oh, my gosh, you're talking about him probably being in competition with Trey McBride, depending on his landing spot, just, just because of that that opening there, right? So um, <clears throat> absolutely, it's kind of the cop-out answer. It's like let's wait and see where they land. But when you have a tier that's all really close and it's just kind of, do you like the production? Do you like their athleticism? Like Jelani Woods was was not in this tier most likely until we found out, well, at least for the, the non-guys who aren't diving into the tape as much as you, he's not in this, this tier until you find out, okay, yeah, the, he, he is quite the athlete, right? So um, Jelani Woods, by the way, 6'7", and was recruited to play quarterback at Oklahoma State. So that's that's your Jelani Woods fun fact. He he transferred to tight end when they got there, but he was recruited to be a quarterback at six that's, seven. He's, he's no Troy Anderson from you know, yeah, but you know you know Troy Anderson. 
guys. Who is the Jeff? Buffalo? Well, he's reminding me of the Buffalo guy a couple years back, and I hate that I'm forgetting his name now. Big armed guy. He uh, he he transferred to tight end. Um, didn't he? What didn't he have a stint on the Eagles actually? Who? Uh, yeah, Tyree Jackson. Tyree yes. Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Troy, Troy Anderson is a linebacker. He's oh, a okay. quarterback and running back. I think he's Montana State. Okay. Um, yeah, he is. If you watch some of his tape, he's an animal. So he's going to be a fun one. I bet you he goes in round two or three, and somebody's going to wind up getting a steal out of there. So IDP guys, Troy Anderson, beast. When did we become out of the ball? When did we become an IDP show with the Kyle Listen, Hamilton? Man, I've been watching a lot of tape, and I've been just turning into like, hey, what's up? I want to watch defensive guys. I don't I gotta, know. I got to change the, sh- the show description now. Like, hey, here's your QB and tight end nuggets, as well as some IDP tips. All right, that's <laughs> fine. You're welcome. I mean, we went Kyle Hamilton, and yeah. and now we went Troy Anderson. I will I mean, tell you, though, you know, just, just one last note on draft capital when it comes to these guys. You know the way that we felt about Cole Komet a couple years back where he went, what, like 30 or 40 or something? We were like, what the heck? How did that happen? Yeah. I think some folks – I think we might end up feeling that. I think Jeremy Ruckert really could be that guy where he goes like 40 and everyone's like, what the heck? Because he's going to contribute right away as a blocker. Um, and then – so if you're played in those Debbie leagues like we were talking about, if you can get Jeremy Ruckert on the cheap before the draft, that's a guy that I'd be targeting. I'll give you one better there, Matt. Yeah. And I'm sure you drove you dove into this last year, right? Tommy Tremble is a guy that didn't have mm. any production as a receiver, but when he did, he looked good and yeah, he yeah. would maul people, absolutely maul it's people fun. in it's the fun. game. And I loved him. And he got third round capital, goes to the Panthers. Not a ton happened, right? Because they had a million weapons there and, and quarterback struggles, but still a Tommy Tremble guy. I think that can be a, a little bit similar situation. Yeah, Kenny Pickett to uh, Tommy Tremble. Can't wait. Calling uh, ten tutties this year. That's where we're. Let's go. I'm in. I'm in. So, so give me some landing spots because the Eagles are a landing spot as well. Um, They need that tight end too now. Tyree Jackson, as well as he can throw a football from Buffalo. We'll see. Uh, But I mean, they have Godert. Ertz is gone, so they're a spot where a tight end is going to go. Give me a juicy tight end spot. You mentioned Cincinnati, so. Uh, let's let's go outside of there. Well, you know, I'll tell you for your Eagles, um, I'm more interested in the guy that can kind of put his hand in the ground there, right? Because I need my good air targets. Um, Don't Jake Ferguson, I think, would be really interesting. Um, okay. I think he'd be a good fit. Uh, you know, experienced player at, at um, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, we need anybody who can contribute to the run game because I haven't given up on Miles Sanders. So really going to well, need, need some help in that uh, that category. <laughs> Yeah, they run a a ton of twelve personnel, so we could use it. We could absolutely use it. Um, you know, tight end position, man, it's so hard. Here's the thing about all these tight ends, and it's really important to keep in mind when you're thinking about like what's the best landing spot. These guys probably are not going to contribute right away, right? We have to be patient with this tight end class in particular. You know, but certainly you could look at just general volume opportunities. You know, you have Green Bay there. That would, of course, be interesting. We mentioned Cincinnati. That would be interesting. Um, you know, you look at Houston. I know they have Brevin Jordan. And I like Brevin Jordan. But if you get especially one of these guys that's a little bit more of like a hybrid, like a Grant Calcaterra, you know, that could be a, a good landing spot for a tight end as well. Um, 
other than that, you know, it's hard for a tight end to come in and kind of like be a guy right away. Tennessee, I think, is still pretty shallow at tight end, right? I don't think they filled that unless I'm missing something in free agency. So, you know, there, there's certainly volume there. Um, and that's an offense in general that, you know, they like to run it a lot. So it probably needs to be a, a tight end that can contribute on the ground as well through that pass. So maybe like a Charlie Kohler would be a, a good fit there in Tennessee. Um, and he certainly has pass catching ability as well. Um, or, you know, Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods in Tennessee would actually probably be a good spot as well. So you could just, you know, stand him up next to Derrick Henry and get some good action shots. What do you Matt, think the highest a tight end goes? You know, I Even think. Over under. Yeah. Um, the over under, I would place 38. That second Jets pick, I think, is. Well, you know, I don't know if that's a good over under betting line. But I could see 38 being that first spot that a tight end goes, the second Jets pick there. Okay. The Giants need a tight end too. I should have that, mentioned that. Like that that's the one I was going to ask you. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I was going to ask you. No, and I, you're, you're taking it right from the brain. So my question was, the Giants need one. Your own team, right? They, they ship Evan Ingram out. Kyle Rudolph released, I think, uh, with another retired. team. So retired. Um, so we have, uh, I think, a couple of options here. You said Jelani Woods, but Greg Dolchitz, I think, is the one. Round two, does he slip to round three? Maybe I think that could be an option. Or Grant Calcaterra, maybe early day three. I think I'd be intrigued in that situation. And, again, we, we need to temper expectations. I'm the one that always gets excited about tight ends. But these tight ends, year one, always takes a bit. But we're talking about his competition is Shepard, uh, Tony, a million Galladay, slot receivers. Like he, they only he, have slot receivers. He, and Galladay, right? Yeah. Like he can, yeah, he, can he can definitely come in and, and be semi-relevant in his first year, which just kind of skyrockets his value second year, right? If you show anything as, as you get five touchdowns and 350 yards as a rookie, boom, people are like, All right, here's your sophomore uh junior year breakout in the NFL. I think that can that can be whoever lands with the uh with the Giants. Yeah, you know, I hope I hope they don't use one of their uh, first two days picks. They have five picks in the first two days. But sitting there at 112, the top of the fourth round, I think that's a great spot for a tight end. I think a lot of these guys are still going to be there. But, however, you know, if we used the – what is that, 81? If we used our third round pick and Ruckert was still there, I'd be pretty excited about that. I think that would be a pretty good value. You know, even 67 for Ruckert, I don't think it's our biggest need. But, you know, if, if a guy can contribute two ways, then that would be pretty pretty exciting. Yeah, you seem more excited about Jeremy Ruckert than you do Trey McBride. Well, you know, I think uh, we could talk about Trey McBride. You know, I just feel like everyone talks about Trey McBride. It's a so my I, I guy. Think, you gotta yeah, have a my guy. I, I think I know. you know. I think I think we understand who he is, right? He's kind of our traditional guy that we expect to be good. But you know, my thing with rookie drafts is I want to leave with a lot of value. And we talked about it. You know, Trey McBride's probably going to go in the second, and I don't mm. want to take him until the mid third. So. I'm not going to have them, so I'm going to talk about the guy I am going to have. It isn't isn't Ruckert basically your Trey McBride who didn't produce like Trey McBride because he was fifth in the pecking order for targets behind even Travion? Like he he just didn't get the targets. Trey McBride got the targets, but and you can talk about like the the level right, but he's that same ilk that can play. Uh, he's very versatile across right. He can play the F, he can play the Y in line, and. I feel like I agree with what you're saying. He almost feels like he can be the guy like uh, uh, Pat Fryermuth who doesn't have a ton of yards, but he has six, seven touchdowns mm-hmm, his rookie mm-hmm. year just because 
when he when you need him, he's going to show up, right? Yeah, I think he's just going to end up with a lot of red zone targets, um, which which obviously is really good for we need we need touchdowns out of the tight end position, or else you're essentially useless, unless you're Kyle Pitts, but that's a different discussion. So. You know, I think that's where Jeremy Ruckert's going to land. You know, I certainly don't think he's uh, as purely athletic or as fast as Trey McBride, but he's got just as good of hands, uh, and he has good body positioning, good contested catchability. So he uses his frame well, and he catches the ball well. And and so, and he can smash guys in the face. Like, he's a great blocker, great technique, strong. So he's going to see the field. He's going to be on the field for snaps. I want to get fantasy points for smashing people in the face. Let's make a movement starting tonight. Points per face smash. Smash. Smash or pass. Smash. Smash or pass. Let's do the superlatives and get you out of here, Matt. Best athlete at the tight end position. Ooh, best pure athlete. Hold on. Let me check to see if I should dig dig down. I feel like there might be somebody, you know, we, we've talked about these other guys, but I, I want to point out that Grant Calcaterra is a great athlete. You know, he really, if you watch Calcaterra tape, you would think he was a wide receiver more than a tight end, but not wide receiver size. Isn't he still really good size? 250 plus something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he moves well with it. You know, he's not clunky. Sometimes you kind of get guys that look like wide receivers, but they're kind of clunky. He's got pretty good speed for the way that he moves. Okay. Most versatile tight end versatile yeah well if you're thinking about versatility in terms of the tight end position um you know i'm thinking of guys like charlie kohler or jake ferguson who are a little bit deeper names that we haven't talked about well we've we've alluded to both of them um you know but they're certainly both guys who um you know can can block well and can catch the ball well okay the most raw prospect of the guys that we named kind of in that the first two tiers yeah probably jelani woods um who we talked about earlier, he uh, really, even when he transferred to the tight end position at Oklahoma State, they didn't really ever kind of use him. Then he transfers to Virginia, and they really use him. The other guy that I'll mention, and I will butcher his last name, is is uh, um out of Maryland. Great combine, great speed, um, but was very rarely targeted at Maryland. Wasn't used very well in that offense. So, you know, he's a guy who might end up going around six or seven, but you know, could really develop into a, a good prospect. Yeah. Yeah. Chicky had a really good combine. That's kind of what's, what's risen him, him up. Some people's uh, list for sure. Let's go with highest ceiling caveat. If you take Trey McBride, you have to give me a secondary name. <laughs> well, I'll avoid that then. Uh, well, I guess just, I guess at this point I can't back off of the Jeremy Ruckert ceiling, right? I've kind of committed to that. I don't know if you knew going into this that Jeremy Ruckert was your guy, but he became your guy as of 4 13, 2022. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, whether I like it or not, he's my guy now. You and Sal will be fighting for him. I hope you, I'm not sure if you guys are in any leagues together, but the bidding, uh, let the bidding commence. He's gonna have to leapfrog me. Yeah, let's go uh, with I, I think this one's important. It's most likely to become a consistent top 12 tight end. We always talk about hey, tight ends take a while. It's not hard to be a top 12 tight end in any given season, but it is hard to be a consistent top 12 tight end. We only really have six or seven of those guys right now of these names who can be a consistent top 12 tight end, if any. Yeah. I mean, my answer is probably nobody, um, but I would have to go with Trey McBride just because he, he is that tier above. So it's a little bit boring of a pick, but I would have to go with Trey McBride. All right. Trey McBride. 
best potential of being a consistent top 12 tight end, I think that is where we end it. Tom, are, are you still awake once we got done talking with tight ends? I am. I'm just stretching out a little bit, trying to, trying to, you know, not cramp up. Ugh, you know what I'm saying? It happened last year when we got to the tight ends. He was like, yep, Kyle Pitts and logging off. No, Fryer move too. Fryer move too. A little bit, yep, yep. Don't, don't little bit me. Yes, those two, and then I was like, yeah. All right, well, let's get Matt out of here. We've got um, an hour 20 here, uh, but good content. I know sometimes it gets longer, but but this is definitely good stuff. Uh, got a lot of good stuff on the quarterbacks, one through six with a little bit of Bailey Zappi. Got a, a lot of good tight ends, Trey McBride, top tier uh, for this class, and then a group of about six after him. Matt, um, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to do a quick run through of everywhere you're at, but I want you to let people know, hey, what's one thing you need them to check out? You already plugged the Debbie Summit, but what's something that you're working on that you're proud of you want people to check out? You'll find him on Twitter at the FF underscore educator. He does the draft seminar uh, on the NFL Draft Bible Podcast Network, Rookie Big Board Podcast, and they're on YouTube. But most importantly, he has his Patreon. The FF educator is where you'll find him on patreon.com. Uh, Matt, talk to us about what you're working on right now. Obviously, a ton of rookie stuff. Yeah, fellas, thanks first and foremost for having me on here. If you're watching the video, you can see me like hacking a lung back here. So I appreciate you dealing with me in my uh, seasonal allergies. But, you know, I would say my the number one thing right now is the, is the uh, 2022 rookie guide. If you want to check it out now, you can go ahead and get it. It's 130 pages of content, uh, 90 individual player profiles, breaking down some of the guys that we've talked about here tonight, uh, their full tape review you know, early projections for them, as well as some mock draft, a comparison to my Devi rankings, my dynasty rankings, an understanding of kind of my overall conception of the class. Um, and I mentioned it earlier, but that will be updated the day after the NFL draft as well. Um, and you can get it by just being at the $6 level for Patreon. Um, and so, you know, 130 pages for six bucks and you get, you know, the updated version right after the NFL draft ends. Uh, you know, I think that's a pretty good deal out there. So, I would encourage folks to go ahead and check that out. Patreon.com slash the FF educator. I am going to be doing that right when we hang up here. Cause I need to get some of these lower level guys. I've done the, the, the top tier guys, right? The top 10 to 15 wide receivers, top eight running backs. I need to get some of these little uh, diamonds in the rough because you always find some of those each and every year. So I'm excited to, to dive into some of your stuff uh, in more depth. Tom, that's all we got. I hope you're excited because I haven't told you what we're doing next week, but we're going to do a little bit of Tom prospects versus Robbie prospects. You like when oh. we go a little battle of the boards, Tom oh. and Robbie get a little arguments going. We're going to okay. we're going to match up our rankings, our rookie rankings, probably for running back, wide receiver mainly, but um, we're going to have yeah, a little I bit of disagreement, so. which which is what we like to do here at TFA. We we hate when there's just oh yeah, I agree, I agree. We're going to have some discord. We're going to have some some pushback here. So that's what's coming up next week. And then we're basically going to be at the draft. TFA is going to do a live draft show day one, day two, just like we did last year, the year before. We're going to be there for you guys. Uh, have a ton of guests on uh, the live show. So stay tuned. He's Tom Corson. I'm Robbie Jeffries. One day when the tongue in his tongue will take a leak and go. Soon may the one man come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tongue in his tongue will take a leak and go.
you'd not been two weeks from shore when down under a right whale bore. The captain called all hands and swore he'd take that whale in tow. Soon may the whaleman come to bring us sugar and tea and Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.